Good morning. As, oh, thanks, thanks. I, I heard it. I, I'm getting old, so I had, I was, I was using the restroom while and I heard it. So, I'm an old man. What can I say? I'm 29. No. <laughs> so again, welcome. Uh, as Laura Labob would say, "Hey, kiddos at home, welcome." Uh, I wanted to play a little game with you. Um, we don't stand up and sit down enough in church, so I thought I'd, I'd do a little bit more Pilates, a little bit more exercises. And uh, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to uh, offer two options. And if you like the first option more than the second option, I want you to stand up. So if you like the first option the most, stand up. If you like the second option the most, sit down. Sound good? If you can't sit up or stand down, just raise your hand. But, all right. We'll start with something easy. Do you like Coke or do you like Pepsi? So stand up if you like Coke. If you like Pepsi, keep, uh, stay seated. See, this is, blows my mind. There's so many Pepsi lovers. I don't understand it. Okay, you guys can sit down. You can sit down. All right, how about dogs or cats? All right, there, so there's a lot of dog lovers out there. Uh, cat lovers, I'm with you. I, I, love, I love cats. You guys can sit down. All right. How about, how about this? Do you like Ohio State or Michigan? <laughs> We've got a couple Michigan. St- oh, you guys are brave. All right. All right. You guys can be seated. All right. Let's do, let's do one more. How about the Browns or the Steelers? <laughs> All right, all right, some brave people, awesome. All right, you guys can be seated. Yeah, so we look around and we, can see, we see that we all have different opinions. We all have different things that we like, and sometimes those things that we like are the exact opposite of what other people like, and that can create some tension. But you know what? One of the great things about being part of God's family is that we can have these differences of opinions, we can have these different things that we like, We can be different, but we can still celebrate the one identity, the one true identity that we all share, that identity as being the very children of God. And we can share this because it's not based on what we like or what we dislike or or what team we support. It's because our Savior, because Jesus Christ gave himself up for us to make us God's own children. This is such an incredible blessing that we have. And so let's celebrate that. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you sent us your son, that because of him, we can be your children. We can sit here together and celebrate and praise you as one because you have made us your children by your son, Lord. Lord, help us to remember that this is the great identity that we have. This is who we are. This is who you have made us to be. Uh, Let us celebrate that and share that uh, with the world, Lord. All these things we pray in your holy name. Amen. So grace and peace to you from God our Father and from Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Uh, it is kind of fun to, uh, to kind of uh, poke fun and, and have some rivalries with sports teams. It's, it, it can be fun ribbing each other. Uh, but there are also a lot of tensions right now, especially right now, that aren't so fun. 
things that are, are tearing families apart, that, that make people uncomfortable to go to family get-togethers, that, that make people not want to see family. There's differences that are causing people uh, to break friendships and to even leave their church family. I think we all know what those are. I think we all feel it. It's kind of palpable right now. For instance, are you pro-Trump or are you anti-Trump? Are you Republican or are you Democrat? Now, I, don't stand up for that. I, I see that none of you did, and that's good. These are sensitive things, and, and quite frankly, as your pastor, these, these, these things aren't really a concern of mine, of what you hold, of, of the position that you are taking. What I am concerned about, what I want to spend some time reflecting on today is how these differences of opinion, how these uh, different positions that we take that we hold are affecting the way that we see each other and the way that uh, we unite together as one, as one body of Christ. Now, strong opinions, strong positions, they've been around forever. They've been around since as long as the earth has been around, at least as long as the fall. And they've been around as, as, uh, from the very beginning of the early church. As George read, uh, we see that Paul addressed this to the Romans. He saw that there was division among, their, among the church, even though it had only been around for a few decades. Paul wrote, uh, Paul wrote in, Corinthian, uh, Corinthians, in Romans 14.2, he says, One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. And then he gives another, uh, another example of division. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Now, these, these debates, these divisions, they may seem a little strange. But in the early church, it wasn't so much a new religion as it was a new branch of Judaism. It was a continuation of this old faith. And many of the people who converted to Christianity, who made up that early church, they had grown up in this early, uh, grew up in the Jewish faith. And so they grew up with all these laws and these rituals that forbade them and commanded them to only eat certain foods or to avoid certain foods, such as they couldn't eat pork or they couldn't eat shell shellfish or they had to avoid certain types of food pairings like dairy and meat together. They also had certain regulations regarding the Sabbath, that time that they set aside to rest and to worship God. They weren't allowed to leave their homes. They weren't allowed to do anything that resembled work. And the punishment for breaking these laws, at times they were pretty severe. They were harsh. And so when Christ came and he started shaking things up, he started setting aside some of these laws, some of these rituals, some of these things that Moses himself had commanded, well, it created a lot of confusion. We see that Christ did just that. Mark, uh, Mark notes it in chapter 7 of his gospel where he says, He, he being Christ, declared all foods clean. This created a lot of division, a lot of confusion. You can imagine how it was for somebody who, who grew up with these laws, who grew up in the, in the Jewish faith, all of a sudden became Christian and they're hanging out with their brothers and sisters in the faith and they... Uh, they're offered a pork chop that their, their, uh, that their buddy bought over at the market on the Sabbath. It'd be kind of 
kind of startling. It would be like somebody who grew up in a church that uh, really hammered the fact that alcohol was of the devil, that proclaimed that alcohol was evil, only to come and uh, meet your new pastor and be offered a beer. It'd be a little startling. It'd, be, it'd, take, you, it'd take you back. Now, to, make things matter, to make things even more confusing, to make even more, uh, even more of a sticky situation, at the time that Paul was writing Romans, a lot of people weren't, uh, didn't have the means to actually buy their own meat. If they were going to eat meat, it was often at festivals held at pagan temples. They were held during festivals uh, in honor of other gods. Or they would be able to get meat from, these, uh, from the sacrifices of animals uh, that were given to these other gods. And so the question was uh, whether or not eating such meat was actually partaking in the worship of idols. And so there was division in the church. That's what we see. That's what Paul is addressing You see, there are strong opinions on each side. Either you believe that Moses' laws were still in place, and if you believe that, oftentimes you you would become vegetarian so as to avoid any sort of offense to God, or you believed that when Christ came, he abolished these sorts of laws, these, uh, these customs and rituals, and that all things were fine. It didn't matter what you ate. It didn't matter when you worshiped. This debates, it's not too unlike some of the debates that some of you have experienced. Uh, debate over contemporary worship or traditional worship. This debate that split so many churches only, only a few decades ago. Some churches, it's still, it's still going on. So we can see that such divisions over worship, such divisions over how we as Christians act, it's been around forever. This mule-like behavior, it's, it's as old as time, even among Christians. But the question is, what are we to do about it? How do we respond to such divisions? How do we sort them out and come back into unity with one another? Should we come together as a community and decide we're going to either be vegan or carnivore, carnivores? Do we decide whether we're going to be Sunday people or any day people? Are we going, do we come together and decide that we're going to be contemporary or traditional? Do we have to pick one or the other? Well, like most things, Paul's instructions bring clarity to this, uh, to this topic. He says in verse 6, The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. And the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give th- gives thanks to God. See, what Paul's saying is it really doesn't matter. What he's saying is that our God he's, is not a God of ors, but a God of ands. He does not say, I will only bless those who are vegan or who are carnivores. He doesn't say, I will only bless those who worship me on Sunday or on Saturday. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say, I will only take those who drink Coke or those who drink Pepsi. And he doesn't say that I'll only set up my mansions in heaven for those who support Ohio State, uh, even though, you know, that some of us, that might be a little bit of a riot. It'd be kind of funny. But God doesn't say that. He doesn't say any of that because he's not a God of ors. He is a God of ands. The issue of how we worship uh, is, is one that all of us have opinions about, opinions about. But 
the fact of the matter is that it really doesn't matter. What we believe on the subject, it doesn't really matter. Whether we worship God on Sunday or we worship God on Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whether we eat food or we uh, eat meat or abstain from meat, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if we praise our God by raising our hands and crying through a guitar solo or by standing there stoically with the hymnal. The way we praise God is not what's important. What's important is that we're praising God. But what's even more important than that is that our prayers, our, our worship is accepted by our God. Not because of our praise, not because of what we do, but because he has unified us in his Son. Or as Paul says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. See, that's the crux of it all. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. The only reason that our worship and our praise is acceptable to our God is because we are His, because He has made us so. And we didn't get here by observing some kind of laws, some kind of rituals. We didn't get here by singing His favorite song. No, We got here, we are his because he made us so. We are his because he sacrificed everything on our behalf. This all-encompassing salvation of Jesus Christ, this is what is so radical and so great about our faith. This is the good news that we have. As Paul says in uh, in Romans 5, just a little earlier in his letter, he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us his best. He sacrificed everything, his one and only son, so that we could be his children. This is amazing. He sacrificed everything even when we were at our very worst. And he didn't have a standard or some kind of restrictions or requirements that he put in place uh, to decide who Christ is going to trade places with. He came for the rich and the poor. He came for the rulers and the slaves. No one is too great or too small for our God. And no one is too good or too evil for our God either. He came for everyone. Everyone. Ultimately, this is because our God is love. He is unconditional love. And thanks be to God that that is the case. Otherwise, we would be hopeless. But it is because of Christ that we have hope. We have hope because God's love is not dependent upon us, but upon Christ's ultimate sacrifice, that sacrifice that he made on behalf of us and because of the spirit that he has poured out onto us. We have hope because Christ, uh, Jesus Christ exchanged his life for ours. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. We have become part of Christ. That's one of the reasons why when we gather, we, call it, we, we are gathered as the body of Christ. Because of Christ, we are no longer, it's no longer just us that lives. It's not only, uh, only you. It's not only your life that you have. It is the life of Jesus Christ that you live out and that you carry out. For this reason, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as our 
flawed, broken people. He doesn't see us as sinful people. When he sees us, he sees us as people covered in his son. He sees us as his very own perfect, righteous children. This is what Christ has done for us. He has made us the very children of God. He has brought us in the greatest bond that anybody could have. It's for this reason that uh, our lives, our actions, our words, our, our, our praise, it's, it's no longer just ours, but it is Christ and the Holy Spirit who acts and praises God through us. This is what Christ has done for us. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your position is if you are doing it in service to the Lord. Because your life, it's not judged based on what you do. It's not based on your actions. It's based on the life and on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's based on him and him alone. So the question is not either vegan or meat. It's not a question of Sunday or another day or traditional or contemporary. It's not a question of how we worship because it's not a question about what we do. It's a question about what God has done for us. That is what is important. What's important is that we have been given this life by Christ, that Christ has brought all of us into unity and one family, and the one life of God. That's what matters. The life that we have in Christ, it's, far, it's a far greater bond than anything else that we have. This is who we are. This is the identity that we hold. This is the thing that matters the most in all of our lives. When all else falls away, this is what we hold on to. But it doesn't always seem that way. I personally, I can't remember another t uh, more polarizing time than what we live in now. I, I can't remember a time that there has been more tension in my own personal life and in the, and in the country at large. And, and granted, I'm only 29, so I'm not that old. Uh, and, but and from what, I've, what I understand, election cycles, election seasons, uh, they're always contentious. But regardless, pol politics has our country on edge. It has people on edge. I'm sure it has many of you on edge. I say, I ask you the question, can you imagine another four years with Trump? Some of you guys might be super excited at the thought of that or relieved while others of you might be shaking your head in, uh, in disgust. This, The divisions that we are experiencing in our culture, they are tearing people apart. They are tearing, tearing families apart. They are tearing friends, long-time friends, apart. I have heard, uh, somebody's actually openly questioned, uh, asked me, you know, whether or not you can be Democrat and Christian. They've opined or, you know, wondered that. That's somebody in our own, or in our own church body. Whether you ask that or you ask, can you be Republican and Christian at the same time? Uh, it's, just, it's just plain foolishness. This question is ridiculous. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense because uh, 
there shouldn't be anything that we have that sets uh, any identity, any position, anything that we set above the unity that we have in Christ. Nothing is more important than the life that God has given to us through his son. It's foolishness to place our loyalty to a political party or even to a country, even to a country over and above the life that God, through his son, has given to you. I want to clarify something. A little bit ago I said, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do it in service to God. That's kind of a dangerous statement. A lot of things, a lot of really bad, horrible things have been said and done in the name of Jesus. In our world, in our own lives, there are certainly things that do matter. We should, there are things that we should lift up as better options or as the only option. There are some things that God has clearly laid out as right in his word. For instance, I just want to get your opinion on this. Is murdering somebody in the name of Jesus Christ good or bad? Oh my, wow. Wow. That was kind of, uh, are, are you sure about that? That was a little quiet. Is it good or bad to murder somebody in the name of Jesus Christ? Bad. Bad. Yeah, this is a clear commandment by our God. He says in the Ten Commandments, what does he say? You shall not murder. It's clear. It is something that he has given to us. This is something that isn't debated because it's a judgment clearly given to us by our God. You shall not murder. There's many things like this. Where God speaks on a subject, we listen. Where he is silent on a subject, we stay silent on as well. And Paul says as much when he writes, Who are you to pass judgment on a servant of another? If it is before his own master that he stands or falls, and if he will be upheld, for the, uh, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. He says that in Romans 14.4. What he's saying is, we are not to be the judges of anything. That's not the place that we hold. We simply live the life that we have been given by our God, by our Lord. Part of the reason why politics is so heated is because it has real-world consequences. It It shapes our lives. It shapes the lives of our family, of our children, of our neighbors, of our friends. It affects everybody. But not only that, the accents of, and positions of each party and, politi- uh, and politician either align or diverge from the commandments of God. They, they come and go. It doesn't really take much, I'm sure all of you can do it, uh, to find some kind of hypocrisy or co- some flaw in one party or the other. It doesn't really take a lot. It's not much effort. It, also doesn't ta- it only takes just a little bit more effort to find some form of merit in one party or the other, and we're in one politician or the other, some leader, uh, one leader or the other. The truth of the, the, truth of the matter is that it, all of them are flawed. They're all flawed. No matter what party it is, there's going to be flaws because they're made up of people guided by human principles. If, these, if this is something, if this is what uh, the strongest bond that we have, this is a really sad state, but thanks be to God that that's not the case, that he doesn't bind us together by people. He binds us together by his son. We are one united body of Christ because of our flawless, holy, perfect Lord. The fact that he died for us, 
that he gave up his one, he gave up his life so that we can live together with him. This is what our God has done for us. His, la- his life, his love, it transcends even the most bitter of divisions. Our faith, it's not based on who is leading the country. It's not even based on whether or not our country exists tomorrow. It is based solely on the eternal life of our Savior and the love that he, uh, he constantly pours out onto our world. All of these divisions, whether they're the fun ones or the really contentious and, 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 and scary ones, all of these things, they pale in comparison to the unity that we have in our Savior. All of these things, you know, uh, sports teams, political parties, our country itself, they're all going to fade away. But the one thing that will stand and will stand forever is Christ and his family. It is in this bond that we stay. It is in this bond that we, uh, that, that we are united in. About six months before the pandemic, uh, we rolled out a new uh, mission and vision for our church. Uh, if you remember it, you probably know why. It's not something that we've really been uh, advertising too much. Uh, but I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to try to remind all of you what it is. Our mission is to exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. Yeah, you can kind of, imagine, you can kind of understand why it's not something that we've really been using too much. Uh, there have been comments that it hasn't aged well, and it's not even a year old yet. Um, but I, I think it's actually a really perfect mission, especially now. You see, in, in everyday life, when we're outside, when we're on in our car, when we're uh, when we're talking to friends and family, uh, we we get bombarded. We get bombarded with ads and with talking heads. We get bombarded with with uh, discussions with friends and family members uh, to choose one side or the other. It's just part of the conversation. It's just part of life. But we have something that's better. We have something that is better than having to choose one thing or the other. See, we're sitting here right now as people who like Coke and who like Pepsi. A lot of people who like Pepsi. It's weird. We're sitting here as people who are Democrats and Republicans. We're sitting here as people who are together who share differing opinions, who have different views on how life should be, and yet we hold this unity that we are one in Christ. We have been brought into this community. Uh, We have been brought into this community, regardless of our background, regardless of the positions that we hold. We've been brought into this community by a God who doesn't say you need to uh, do this or that, or that you need to be this or that but instead a God who says that you are this and that. And it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter who you are. Our God says that you are mine and that I love you. We are bound by a God not of ors, but of ands. Is is that not the greatest news that we can share that we have a life, we have a life that is eternal, that is not based on us, but based on our God who is unchanging? This is the greatest news that we have. There are a lot of things, a lot of negative things that are spreading around right now. Uh, There's a lot of negative, uh, just negativity in general. 
But we have this incredible news. We have this good news, this positive, amazing, life-changing news that we can share, that we can spread, that we can be contagious with. So let's do that. Let's be contagious with the life and bond that we have in Christ. Let us spread it. Are you guys on board with this? Is this something that you... Good. Awesome. Awesome. This is, this is great. We have been bound together. This is what we are called to do. We are called to live out the Great Commission. Now, of course, all Christians are going to be on board with this. This is something that's in Scripture. Go out and uh, go and baptize. Uh, uh, man, why can't I say? <laughs> it's the Great Commission. Uh, uh, yeah, you guys got it. Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20. Oh, my goodness. Uh, go out and share the good news. This is uh, what we're all called to do. And we're all on board with this. However, when it starts getting into the execution, it gets a little fuzzy. It can be a little daunting. Uh, it can be a little bit unnatural and a little bit uncomfortable to, uh, to f- where do you share the good news? How do you bring it about? Uh, you may feel a little unqualified. And if you feel that way, if you feel like it's a little challenging, a little daunting, that's okay. I know what you're feeling. Uh, when I was a sophomore in college, I went down uh, to Panama City with Campus Crusade, and I spent the week trying to engage in deep, life-changing faith dialogue with these drunks on the beach, these college students who all I wanted to do was party. You can imagine how awkward and uncomfortable and unnatural that was. It was the most uncomfortable thing that I've ever done, and I'll be honest, I, I, really, I never want to do it again. It's uncomfortable to do that. But you know where it is natural, where it is comfortable? To do it in community. It's to do it when we are already in, relationship, in uh, a relationship with others. And this is what we're, going, what we're trying to do here at the church, even in this time of separation, even in this time of loneliness. We're trying to, uh, we are offering, uh, we're trying to start up these small groups. Uh, Pastor Zardi's been talking about it, uh, talking, talking a lot about small groups over the past couple weeks. And the reason for this is that Quite simply, they're, they're, they're awesome. It's awesome to be able to sit in community with other Christians and just discuss faith. So we're starting up small groups next week, and I encourage you to join one. Join in this unity. Join in this community that Christ has brought us into. Uh, this is such a blessing that, that despite where our backgrounds are, where we came from, who we are, the opinions that we have, that we can gather together and share the greatest identity that any of us has. This is the greatest gift that we have. And so I encourage you to to go online, uh, check out our website, um, go to the events page, and and sign up for a group. Uh, At this time, I know that there's a a lot of people who are uncomfortable coming in person, who are doing things in person, who wouldn't want to come into somebody else's living room. And that's okay because, you know, there's a lot of other people in our church that feel the same way. And you can join them. Uh, You can join them online. We have, uh, there's several groups that are meeting meeting online. So check that out. and join in this community. Join in this bond. Share the love and the connection that Christ has given to us. Because it is the greatest thing that we have. It's the most incredible gift of unity that our Savior has given to us. It doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter our political opinions or our political stance. It doesn't matter who we are or what nation we belong to. We are one family, one body of Christ, brothers and sisters, And we can walk together in this life that he has given to us.
So let us share that life and let's live it in the bond that he has given to us. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your son, that by him we have been transformed, uh, that we have been brought together as your people, as your children, that you have declared us righteous and perfect. Lord, let us share that bond. Let us share that identity that you have given to us with others. God, all these things we pray in your holy name. Amen.